the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. What an episode we have today. Hell of an exclusive. Feels like an exclusive. By the time we recorded this to it actually coming out, hopefully it's still an exclusive. We don't know. We'll see what happens. Today on the show, I have none other than Tommy End, formerly known as Alistair Black. Just recently released from WWE amongst some of those notable names like a Braun Strowman, Ruby Riot, uh, Lana, Santana Garrett. Seeing some of these names that just keep ending up on these lists that make you kind of scratch your head a little bit and wonder what the hell is going on in the world of WWE. Um, so we had on Tommy and we get to pick his brain. He was so open and honest about, you know, everything that's going on with his situation to how he's reacted to it. Um, things that he wants to do, sort of his creative process, how he is just tried to navigate those waters of WWE over the past four to five years to where he's at now to recently being released. And now uh, the world is just kind of busted wide open for this guy. He's able to take the equity that he put into Aleister Black and now move this over to to now going back to being Tommy End. And I, I'm really excited for him. I'm excited for this point in his career um, to just uh, take those reins back and start steering the ship the way that he wants to go. I'm a huge fan. I think he's so immensely talented. Such a good dude. Let's just get into it. Here he is. Here's Tommy End. What a bizarre couple of days for you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm actually doing really well. Good. You know, it's so easy to jump into like being negative and like focus on all the stuff that didn't happen and whatnot. But man, at the same, at the same time, you know, for four or five years, I got to do the one thing that I've always wanted to do on a really, really big scale. I got two WrestleManias. I got the NXT title. Um, I made friends for life. I became a better performer, a better wrestler. And I got so many tools and connections and, 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 and all these things that I built whilst being at the WWE that, you know, there's more pros than cons really. And sure, you know, and I'm, I'm sure we'll, 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 we'll get into that part uh, during this conversation, but the focus for me is on, on all the things that did go right and all the things that I did obtain and all the things that uh, were given to me. And Hey, you know, uh, there's been opportunities that were presented to me that make me go, wow. The fact that you even think, uh, that you wanted to put me in this position is like super cool. You know um, better than anyone that in that company, things change sometimes literally 30 seconds before you go out. And that's happened to me on several occasions. It's always funny because I always think to myself, man, if people would only know all the things that almost happened or all the things that were supposed to happen or were supposed to be or directions or pitches and all that stuff. And that makes it cool. It's never as clear cut as people think it is. And having that knowledge from being in the company for four or five years is where I get a lot of satisfaction and a lot of like peace of mind. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's too, it's like it, you are now, no matter what, you're at least set up on a better course for the experience that you've gained, uh, more of the notoriety that comes now with the name. 
Tommy and for you, I mean, we're, you know, we're not going under Alistair Black anymore, but everyone understands that that's how we go here in the wrestling world. And we make these changes and your fan base understands that and in, in everything, but you know, it, it, so what are some of these circumstances of things that could have been and things that were about to happen? Uh, what are some of those? One of the cool pitches for me was that for a, a moment when I had the match with AJ, one of the things that leading up to um, WrestleMania was that during the end of my match with AJ, you know, uh, Undertaker appeared and helped me, saved me, you know, uh, stop the beat down that uh, the Good Brothers gave me. Um, one of the pitches was that at WrestleMania, it was going to be the other way around. So it was AJ and Taker, and one of the pitches was that, that towards the end of that match, the Good Brothers would come out or something to that extent, and I would be the one to uh, help help Taker. And I always thought that was uh, that was like the fact that they even considered that was like, uh, wow. You know what I mean? It was very cool. Um, one of the other things that was always very cool is that Heyman's idea was to um, – have uh, either Samoa Joe or or Brock Lesnar come into the, the the room at the time when you were doing those promos in the back. You mean yes. So the thing was, um, they were supposed to progress. Obviously, they never progressed. They always stayed the same, which is one of my biggest you know regrets because I was wanted them to be much more than they were. I wanted them to have different verbiage and to kind of like you know expand. And I did what I could with them, which is you know very minimal. And Heyman fought tooth and nail for it. But at the end of the day, there's like obviously if there's a no, there's a no. You can't argue the no all the time. And one of the things that uh, we set course out to do was eventually having an interaction uh, between either me, Brock Lesnar, or Samoa Joe that would send where I would cut this this promo room, and 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 Lesnar would just come through the through this uh from the darkness and would just choke me out and stuff like that and, and it would set up uh it would set up something similar to that uh but again you know the, like the people have to understand that these are pitches you know this is not set in stone thing this is the course of planning these are all ideas that people are having and courses that we're plotting and planning they pan out they might not pan out sometimes towards the end of where you're going with the pitch and the pitch is being used towards the end of it, they decide to go take a 180 instead of like going this way, they're going to go that way. And, you know, they're going to go different routes. You know, I'm sure that if I, uh, if I sit on it for a while, you know, like more, more things will, uh, will pop into my head in terms of like things that were, you know, supposed to be, um, but yeah, this, the, the company is full of surprises. <laughs> it's one way to put it. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For good and bad, it's it's full of surprises. But like I said, like I, I I don't really have a lot of things that I wanna that I have to complain about. Again, yeah, there's there's been super negative things, and obviously my uh, my ending with the company is very um, questionable, you know. But I know why. M- maybe and you know maybe one day we'll talk about that. But right now it's just not that time. It's not something I'm okay. gonna focus on. Um, but it's been it's been good. It's been it's been really really good these last two or three days. Like the feedback's been great. Uh, me and uh, me and my wife started documenting basically like every day. We kind of like see documents. Like we'll do a little like a little bit of a, a journal and you know building back up to getting into the ring with you know uh, other places, other promotions, other companies. And we're just kind of like taking it step by step and day by day and kind of like turning that into a little documentary. I mean that's a great way to sort of utilize your time and it is. Um... 
you know, I think just like mentally processing everything that's going on. I mean, I'm sure there's so many different ups and downs and sometimes it's hard to kind of get a firm grasp on even how you feel because something like that comes out of left field that you're so unprepared for. You can only handle it to whatever capacity that you're able to do that. I mean, I'm sure that that's got to be difficult of just sort of managing, like staying positive about things, but also I guess just dealing with the reality of what happened and have it be so unexpected. I think what helps and has helped, there's two things, the support, because even now there's like a lot of uh, people that are still reaching out actually right before, you know, I got on edge called me. I haven't, I, I couldn't pick up because I was literally getting into this. Um, but there's been Sorry, such edge. a reaction. <laughs> there's been such <laughs> a reaction and, and an ongoing reaction uh, on my release. You know, it made it better, but I think, being released is one thing, but if you're being released and there was literally no response to your release, I feel that's, you know, that's, that's very, very, very bleak, very dark. And I think that can get into your head, but because there's been such an outpour of support, uh, from, fr- uh, you know, friends, colleagues, uh, family, and, you know, fans, most importantly, it's helped. And one of the things that also really helped is that I have spoken to a lot of like higher ups. They don't understand it. I think throughout the entire company, there's a, okay, but why him? It's a, it's, it's a good feeling people care. And it's a good feeling that like, like the, 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 the perception that you have as to, okay, but why am I being let go is shared by many high up in the company that are like, you know, very close to the, you know, to the main boss. And that gives comfort. Yeah. It just feels like everything's such a big question mark right now, kind of for everybody to, to see something like that and to see somebody like you being let go. And, you know, I think that it's been a, a lot of the same sentiment for Ruby Riot as well of like, why you have these talented people here that bring so much to the table and bring this unique perspective, bring this whole new character to the ring this whole new audience and for it to not work for them just doesn't make sense. It's so confusing. Yeah. I think that the um, issue is, is that there is not enough focus on people around the main people being pushed. You know, you have to have a continuous stream of people being built up, people being able to get revered by fans and being built up uh, through the eyes of the fans so that people care. I think that is a problem. And, and I, nothing that I'm saying right now is, is shocking news because I think that's the main consensus with a lot of people is that there is not enough focus on multiple people because why would you not make everyone you're utilizing strong and um, in some capacity, like give them notoriety or give them give them that part where fans can generally rile against them or, or, or be, be, be for them. But like, you know, he talked about, it is a very busy, ever-changing landscape and you can only do so much. And as a talent, you can also only do so much. Producers can only do so much. Creative writing staff can only do so much. And the good thing is that is also something that's shared within the company, within the locker rooms, within the writing rooms themselves. And that's kind of how everybody else kind of kept their chins up. We're all in the same boat. Yes. Everybody felt that and everybody, everybody has the same question marks you and I currently are discussing that those question marks echo through the, through the, through the writing room, through the locker room, even all the way down to medical. That's telling of perhaps what should change. But again, you know what I mean? Like I'm not the one in control of anything. We can only control so much and I can only control my output. And that's just like the start of conversation. That's why I, I want to present the more positive 
sense of this release. Because, again, do I really have that much to be be angry about? I don't. Sometimes things don't pan out. So what do you think it is? Like, what have you been able to kind of, like, attempt to put your finger on of, like, what slipped between the cracks here? Like, what was the disconnect? Was it something from Vince's perspective or from Hunter's perspective, I understand that they generally can have pretty different perspectives on different talent. And you see that happen from NXT up to the main roster often. Um, But have you like, what do you think it is that happened? So I think we have to have to to kind of go back to the start of my NXT career. Um, I remember the match that I had with, uh, with Velveteen and that was a match that put me on the card. Uh, on, on the map, sorry. And uh, I remember Hunter telling me a while ago, about like a year and a half ago, we had a talk. It's like, even a year and a half ago, I was kind of going like, you know, what what are we doing? Because it's 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 starting, stopping. Every time I thought we were going somewhere, we didn't. Every time I saw the fans get behind me or, you know, the ratings were positive, no one pulled the trigger on it. And Hunter told me that even back then, Vince was like, I want that guy. And then it was, uh, I think, the match with Johnny when I came back. And again, I want that guy. And Hunter kept saying, no, I have to like, you know, I have this program with him. I want him to finish, you know, write, write that out. And then um, eventually, I think it was somewhere in February that I got a call from, uh, from Matt Bloom saying, you know, you, you move up. And uh, it was me, Johnny Tommaso, and uh, Trevor Ricochet. Those three, four months leading up to WrestleMania were my favorite time that I've had in the, in, in the WWE. Me and Trevor were such a well-oiled machine. You know, we were doing we were doing Raw on Monday, SmackDown on Tuesday, because we were still on Tuesday back then. And then NXT on Wednesday, we got Thursday off, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back on live events. And I just felt like I was so in the zone. I loved it. Like, that's the part about this whole business. I, I, I love the live events. I love the travel. I love it. I'm, I'm one of the few people that don't complain about that part sure the travel can be tough and like flights canceling that's i'll I'll complain about that but never the concept of what it is that we're doing because that's what i embrace that's what i love that's what i'm used to i remember sitting down with uh, with vince for the very first time because Heyman was like look you gotta you gotta go in and talk with him and i always wanted to talk to him because i find it very important in any job i've ever had to have a good relationship with people in charge i want them to know who i am and i want them to know that i care and that i'm involved which I did. And it was a very positive conversation. Vince was full of praise, like, you know, where he sees me, where he sees me going, uh, you know, what part of the, what part of the card he, he sees me. And it was, you know, upper positions, a lot of promises, a lot of like, this is what I want to do with you. That's what I'm in. But, you know, the, the translation was never there. So obviously at one point you start doubting yourself. And to the point where I think it was after Money in the Bank, the Mysterio storyline, where I kept running out and getting beat up. And at one point I was kind of like, okay, what are we doing? And I, I knocked on the door. This is about the fourth, fifth conversation. I, I tried to get in there with him very regularly. I look, or like, you know, talk to him at least. Yeah, it's difficult though. Yes, very difficult. I sometimes have to wait four or five hours before I can get in. And it's, it is what it is. That's just the nature of the beast there. And you either want to do that because you care that much or you don't. And it's both is fine. I just chose to you know, do it. Cause I like my whole thing is I want to die on my own sword. And maybe that's also why I have peace with it. I know on my end, I tried everything. I literally tried every single thing, sat down with them. He told me, I think you're so intriguing. I think your look is great. I think your style is great, but there's something about you that right now I'm trying to figure out. 
You know, that's fine. We got time. Let's figure it out. So he sent me home. I came back with Kevin Owens and we did the storyline and everything that I created, that little vignette on my Instagram and all that stuff. I made that myself because I wanted to show that, look, I'm invested in this. I've always tried to kind of have a correlation between my social media and my character. It's also something that Undertaker told me at one point. He said, like, the business has changed nowadays. You cannot be a 100% character anymore because people are not going to buy that. You're going to have to lower the threshold here and there and, like, kind of let them in every once in a while because it's just different. It's not back in the day. It's not as protected anymore. And people, you know, need to care for the person behind the character to an extent as well. So it went well for two weeks. And then somehow in the pipeline, something changed. And Alistair Black, who was um, never seen in uh, either a suit or his wrestling gear, was standing at Raw Underground in his shorts, in his, in his, in his champion's shorts, because no one told me. I found out as I was like, as the show was about to start, this is what we're doing. And I remember going, what? This is not what we set out to do. And I you know, spoke to Vince. No, he was adamant on it. This is what we're doing. I'm like, okay, cool. And it just, everything went downhill. And fans saw it. I saw it. Creative saw it, writer saw it. I went to the point where I sat down with our, VI, with our, with our VP and I said, look, something's got to change. This is not going right. This is not going good. I have been here for a year and a half and I feel like I've just been ping ponged continuously. And again, I, like, I'm not someone who quickly gives up. And even then I didn't give up. Again, I had a conversation with Bruce Pritchard and Vince that lasted about 30, 45 minutes. And it was a long talk, but it was a good talk, a very good talk. Again, full of praise, complimented him on my uh, ability to always be honest with them whilst being respectful and just saying how much he appreciated my, my creative thought process. And he also understood that there were things during my time in the main roster that did not go the way he wanted to go. And he said, I'm sorry for that. I apologize, but let's do it this way. I'm going to send you home for a bit. We're going to get some separation between you and Kevin Owens. And then when you come back, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're, off, we're off to the races. I was supposed to come back Rumble time, I think either on Rumble or right before Rumble, not sure. And obviously that never came to fruition. So I sat home for seven months. And I think that necked me. I think that's the part. And I kept asking, what are we doing? What are we, I don't think I've ever been more frustrated, you know, seven months sitting home than I've been in my life for my entire career. That was the most frustrating part. Of you feel like you're being held hostage. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, um, there's, there's two sides to that coin. One is, and that, I did that, hired an acting coach, a different one, um, ducked down into my family history because I wanted this character, this, this dark father character to really, like I wanted it to be in the same wheelhouse as what you had, but I wanted it to be a complete thing. So I wanted to present it with something that was real authentic that, that you know, came from my childhood and maybe more so my father's childhood. Not that I'm going to dive into that part. That's, that's a conversation for a different time because I think we can fill in <laughs> an entire podcast with that story. But, um, so I wanted, it to, I wanted it to be real and um, hired, hired a different nutritionist. And I, because I, I was looking back and I said to myself, man, you've been depressed for these last, I let myself go like physically a lot. And I didn't want, I was, I was just so unhappy mentally, but I was in denial about it and I didn't want to be in denial about it. So I was like, okay, die in your own sword, put in the work. Presented, wrote the vignettes, pitched the vignettes. Uh, uh, they tweaked it, you know, tweaked some things. Uh, initially, we wanted to do it with real actors, but COVID, you know, money, all that stuff. 
And so one of the writers uh, and I said, like, hey, wh wh what if we do it as like a children's book, as like the Babadook, basically? And then uh, at the time, Jordan Peele's Candyman's trailer was there and they used the little like the little uh, paper puppets. And he sent it to me. He said, what do you think of this? I'm like, if we can pull it off, that'd be so cool. And we were because the vignettes were goddamn brilliant. One of the things that I thought was really cool, the vignettes, is that Deadline.com. Uh, did like a, a small a small little note on them because apparently they boosted the ratings and I was really happy and I, like and I send that to everyone it's like look you know like what we're doing it's working right um, I wanted to be very involved in the entire process of Dark Fraud I wanted to do this completely different um, I, I I told Merch give me ideas show me what you guys have let's talk show me the numbers show me the numbers because I knew I used to do good on Merch um, especially in NXT I used to do great on Merch. Um, I want to be involved more. If we're going to do this, then let's do this. Again, everybody was on board. Everybody loved it. Two weeks before I uh, came back and uh, struck Biggie in the head, I had to sit down with Vince. He was his normal self. Uh, same things were said. He, he was ready to do it. He said, like, are you ready to do it? And like, you know, I'm like, yep. And, and like, he's like, you look good. Uh, you know, we're going to get to it, right? So, um, and that's what we did. And then like one week later, uh, actually three days ago, <laughs> Um, I'm sitting in the gym and I'm stretching out and I see uh, a certain name on my phone calling me and I'm like, why is, why is this person calling me? So I pick up and uh, it was a very distinct voice. And um, this person also did not understand, but this person had to let me go. And they uh, invoked the right for the night in the clausel. And it was a sense of relief almost because mind you, they let my wife go on the reasons that are very questionable. And everything got sorted out, everything is fine, everything is okay, but they called me and they're like, look, we understand this is putting you in a tough spot. I said, no, you know, this is my career. Spoke about it with her. This is business between you and her. Does Tom, her husband, have a opinion on it? Sure he does. Does Alistair Black, the professional do? Nope, he's ready to go to work. All I wanna do is work. All I wanna do is create, all I wanna do is present. And, you know, she agreed. And then um, the vignettes were supposed to air after Manium. They didn't. And I was like, okay, I get it. Two weeks of vignettes and then another week of no vignette. And then I started to go, what is going on? Why are we not, you know, because at that point, you're also not really presenting the audience with the idea that you have a lot of trust in this because you're already kind of like breaking it up. Again, I was, I, was, I was assured that nothing was wrong. Nothing was going on. Last vignette. I, uh, I, I, I kicked Biggie. And then a week later, obviously, I was on TV. They were kind of like, no, we're letting it breathe a little bit because we feel we got a lot of out of the, um, out of the kick with E. And then four days later, um, there we go. And again, I know why. Not something I'm going to discuss here because that's also something I want to talk about, talk about in, a, in, a, in a different light. But and I know the way I'm sounding and I know the way that this all sounds is it's, it sounds super like, you know, what the fuck, and negative. But again, I'm not focusing on the negative part. I had, a, I, I like, all it did for me was present to me how resilient I am as a person, how creative I can be with, with shackles on, and um, how I can, like, create within the boundaries that I'm given, and um, that my mind can go, you know, in a lot of good places um, when I'm being held down, you know? So... Yeah, I, I, I didn't get to do what I was promised to do. And a lot of the things that were promised to me were not fulfilled. 
but I had a good experience. I had a good four or five years. I had a good, I have a good life. I met my wife there. I just can't, I just can't be mad. Maybe, maybe it's still coming. I don't know. But I've, I, like I said, when, when I got released with all the stuff that was stacked up against me and all the, the, the you know, the, the, the hoops that made me, that make me jump through and like, you know, the, the questionable bipolar style booking and stuff like that and up and down, up and down, I'm still here and it's all good. I feel, you know, a similar way in the sense of like, you know, I, I left the way that I left and there, you know, there were issues that I had with certain things, but I don't have any ill will. I feel like same thing. I walked away with a great career, met my husband there. I have a ton of positives, but there are certain things like the things that you're talking about. I mean, from the creative aspect, from the, um, the lack of attention span, so to speak, to be able to really keep giving somebody a legitimate push. And you are such a prime example of that, of the like, start, stop, start, stop. I mean, you talk about those initial vignettes that you had been doing from the back rooms and not being able to, you know, get on the same page with creative and wanting to, you know, say different things or whatever. But I, and even the stuff with Big E that you were doing, I think that this is just like the telltale sign of, no interest in long-term storytelling, which can be incredibly frustrating. It seems like they're looking for, it either connects on the first go or we do not engage with it anymore. And that's obviously, you can't, you can't, like that's, you know, that's one in a million. And, um, you know, you can't force those moments. You can't force, you know, those characters to, you know, have that. You can, there, there, there've been so many rare examples of that actually, you know, a brand new character debuting and immediately from the get-go, it is a million dollar franchise. You know, everything has to build, everything has to slowly get into it. People have to get adjusted, have to understand it and start caring for it. And as they start caring for it, they want to invest in it. In that same vein, there was a lot of extremely hardworking people in that company. There was a lot of people that work their absolute ass off. Even when they don't agree with it, you know, they work hard and that deserves respect. Absolutely. And, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's a matter of, you know, wanting to trust the process, but then also trying to follow your gut instinct where you're like, wait, maybe this isn't going the way that I feel that it is. But you assume that maybe they have a better thought out process about how things are going to go. And you're just sort of stuck in limbo during that. And, you know, I actually just this morning, I was like flipping through some new stuff and saw an interview that my John did. And he was basically saying that same thing. I mean, you know, you look at the way that the shield came out and we've not seen someone get a push the way that the shield did in forever. And, and because they stuck with it and they let it go and they let it breathe and they let those guys do their thing, but we've really not seen it since then. And that was nine years ago. You can, you can, you can speculate and guess about as to why you want as, as long as you want, but it's futile. You know, maybe it will change. Maybe it won't change. Um, you said something about like wanting to trust the process and stuff like that. And I think that's also one of the things that um, I made a mistake with in the beginning because I first moved up and I didn't want to be that guy that immediately like complained. But like I said, the, you know, the room promos, um, me and Paul always wanted them to like evolve. They didn't. As much as Paul was um, fighting for them, I was always kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll just do this. And some of them were fun. Some of them weren't fun. Uh, some of them didn't make any sense. And, you know, and the only thing that I always tried to do is, um, you know, I, I was like the idea of Alistair and Vince liked that idea too, by the way, that he has like a little bit of like a precognitive ability where he can kind of like briefly see into the future. So I would use the lights in the room 
as a, a precursor to who my opponent was going to be because it would it would be the color of their gear and stuff like that. And I would you I would say certain words that would hint at my coming or my opponent for like next week and stuff like that. You know, that's the only way I could kind of like have like I guess five percent control over what I'm doing what, what what I was doing. I did the same thing with anything I've ever done. There has only been maybe two promos on the main roster where I had complete control. The one was the where I stepped out from the darkness into the light and I cut the promo about AJ Styles and I said, um, God, what was, what was the line? You're going to wish Undertaker buried you deeper than six feet if I get back up, something like that. And I stepped back into the darkness. And other than that, everything was always like, you know, very like formulated. And, you know, and you try your best and creative tries their best, but it's, it's, it's difficult because I can understand the standpoint of, you know, the companies, well, we, you know, we're, we're, um, we're, we're this big company. We have sponsors, so we have to control what you're saying. But it doesn't leave any room for like genuine emotion. It doesn't leave any room for like you know. And some people are great at it. Like Mike is phenomenal at it. Like 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 Joe's phenomenal at it. Uh, you know, Roman's phenomenal at it. Um, I feel like I'm I'm a better natural speaker in terms of like, hey, say this, just mention that, and then I can go off. Um, you know, and it's 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 something that uh, I th- I feel and I see a lot of people. You know, they struggle with that, and it it takes away the the heart and soul of the being genuous and and having a, having a genuine emotion behind, you know, verbalizing yourself. So, you know, it's um there's a lot of things that you could say, but I do think that the people who are able to um, you know, thrive there, you know, they uh they are absolute. Uh, athletes, you know, absolutely phenomenal people when it comes to like, you know, character, character stuff. And, you know, I, um, I tried my best to, uh, to get to there, uh, get to that, but alas, it was not meant to be. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I have no, I have no, no regrets on it, anything at all. It's uh, it, like, and that, you know, that's what I said. Like I tried literally everything because, and I said this on the phone to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to our creative team as well. When like one of the last talks, I said, look, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. Just in case this doesn't pan out, at least I know that I literally did everything I could. I did everything. I tried everything. And that's, like I said, maybe that's also why I, um, uh, I feel positive about my experience because, uh, well, I tried everything. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, Why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dum-dum like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. What is your relationship with uh, with Paul Heyman now? Have you guys spoken since this? He reached out to me on the day that it happened. It was very sad. Paul has always said to me, Tom, I think that you're five years ahead of the business. 
And I think that's also as, as he's like, as brilliant as I think you are, I think that's also sometimes, you know, your biggest issue is that you're so far ahead mentally that people have to catch up to it. And he still now, he still believes, he's like, I still believe that you're going to do great things. And, you know, um, you know, we're far from done. I am absolutely far from done. I'm, 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 I'm so excited. I have, um, in these past three days, there's been so many knocks on the door. No pun intended. <laughs> um, you know, there's been, there's been so many people reaching out and so many cool opportunities can, can come in. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely like super excited. And I, um, for the first time in a very long time, I don't feel anxiety when I have to think about like my profession. I feel like genuine excitement. The process is not, um, let's create. The process is, I hope this works. Yeah. I hope that this one person likes the thing that I'm doing. Yeah. And it's important that he does. Of course. Don't get me wrong. It's very important that he does. But like I said, like right now, it's like one of those moments in my life where like I spoke to my dad this morning and he was asking me as well. I was like, how are you feeling? I was like, I feel great. Like with all these like people emailing me and like, you know, calling me up and hey, uh, listen, X, Y, Z. I'm like, you're damn right. You know, it's, 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 it's fun. It's, it's fun again. And not that it was never not fun, but the last two years, and I've said this before, felt like a slow death. It really did. Despite my best efforts, despite, you know, keeping my chin up and despite, you know, trying to work my hardest, I, um, I feel like I, uh, I, I was slowly killing myself. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's this relief to, you know, as much as you can take that equity that you've been able to build over the past four or five years, and now you get to go apply it to whatever the hell it is you decide to do. And as you look outside WWE, and now there's all of these options. I mean, yeah, how could you not be excited about all of these other opportunities for you to just creatively like dig in. I think a lot of people are excited to see that. You know, I think we're, it's, there's nothing more excited. I was actually like kind of talked to Heath Slater just recently. I'm like, man, it's so cool seeing everybody like working in all these different places. And, you know, despite some of the circumstances of, of people being let go and whatever, but now seeing people thrive in like, you can just see sort of that happiness of just getting back to like why you started doing this to begin with, right? Like, I don't think that the business will ever be, at least not at the moment, the business will not never be bigger than the WB as of right now. But the landscape is not solely dominated by WWE, which is a great thing. You know, I see so many good talents. I see, you know, I look at AIW and I'm like, you know, I see a phenomenal newer generation and like combining with like the older generation that I grew up with, like even watching like their guys like Chris Daniel and Kazarian and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's crazy. And then like seeing dudes is like your husband and Omega going at it. And, you know, then there's like all these like other independent companies and not just the independent companies, but guys like, you know, uh, companies like Ring of Honor and Impact, everybody has their own identity. And I think that is a very important thing because it's very difficult to have an identity in a landscape or a business that was solely dominated by the WB and, but, but they're doing it, you know, they're doing it. And that is, that speaks volumes, speaks volumes of the, of the talent and the creative vision that is out there. Uh, why do you think it ultimately kind of, at least feels like it's sort of that kiss of death, making that jump from NXT to the main roster in WWE just seems to happen time and time again. I think one of the, one of the, main issues is, is that there is too many cooks in the kitchen, whereas Hunter has a vision and oversees the entire vision with his team. He always puts his ear to the ground and he communicates very, very like one-on-one with, uh, with, with his talent. And 
everybody shares his vision where I feel that on the main roster, a lot of people think that they know Vince's vision. You know, they haven't closely followed the people that are being brought up. Vince sees certain individuals and is completely mesmerized by them. And then when he has them, he's kind of like, okay, where do I place you? And I feel the time spent with where do I place you kind of like loses it because it's taking too long for people to be placed. And uh, whether that is because the rotation is too quick or uh, people don't have like a creative vision coming in um, or people rely too much on letting the main roster do your creative work for you, you know, who knows? It's, I think it's a combination of all three. I, yeah. I, I don't believe in one party always being the complete blame for anything. I think um, when you come in, you're a professional. You need to have a vision for yourself. You need to have a vision. You need to have ideas continuously. You know, even when you're not empty-handed, it just sometimes doesn't always translate the way that, you know, you wanted to translate or it doesn't go in the vision uh, that you wanted to go because at the end of the day, there's one man in charge of the vision. And if that vision doesn't pan out the way that it should pan out, it's hard to stay flow. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in-play, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use, and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA in-play is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in-play today. You're a sports fan. That's why you're listening, of course. But if you're considering getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource. The Action Network. The Action Network is where fans go when they are ready to bet smarter and turn a profit betting on sports. In fact, their free Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with the Action app, you can see the latest picks and articles from Action Network gambling experts, as well as personalities like my guy, Colin Cowherd. You can compare odds from different sports books and you can track every bet you make so you always know how your picks are doing. So if the game means more to you, download the free Action Network app and start betting smarter. Okay, so on the other side of things, going back to all these other flourishing companies and the way uh, wrestling is nice and shiny and bright uh, right now, who do you want to work with? Who who do you want to get in the ring with? I want to get in the ring with Moose, Callahan, Mox, uh, Omega, uh, Chris Daniels. My God, there is there is such an array of like crazy talent. I, I think Jungle Boy is great. Uh, Hobbs, I think Hobbs is awesome. Yes. Uh, uh, Brian Cage. Um, Brody King from Ring of Honor, Homicide. I would love to get in there with Homicide. I think Homicide is the OG. I love Homicide. Tons of respect. Eddie Kingston is another one. What about New Japan? I keep feeling like people, like I feel like I've seen that a lot since your release, as people want to see you in New Japan as well. I think it's no secret that um, I have a lot of love 
for New Japan. I, I think in several interviews I mentioned that I never grew up watching uh, WWE. I watched uh, New Japan and Eurosport. So um, when you guys uh, when AW had uh, Yuji Nagata, I was pretty envious of Mox because um, that was one of the guys that I you know looked up to um, when I was younger. New Japan would be phenomenal. You know, I think like I'm, I love Japan. I miss Japan. Even thinking about it, it gives me, you know, it gives me butterflies because I feel I ne never did. I feel more like a professional wrestler. And I can say that now again, than when I stepped off the plane in Arita Airport and I would drive down to Yokohama and I would go into the dojo and I would start training. It was great. Yeah, so we don't know what the future holds at this point. Well, I mean, I know a certain parts of my future, but I'm not going to spill the beans here, unfortunately. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> no, no exclusives yet. I'm very excited for you. I can tell a lot of other people are obviously like very supportive of you between your peers, your fan base, all that. I mean, everyone is really excited to see where you land, uh, to really have you be back in the driver's seat of your own career and take those reins again and start just kicking more ass. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do it. And I thank you very much for having me on your show and uh, hanging out with you guys. Really good to see you. And I'm glad to see that you are just in like such a good headspace with everything. And you have such a great attitude about everything that's gone down. Um, and I think that that just lends into you being a, a, an absolute professional in what you do. And, and now the future is wide open for you, dude. Thank you very much. Man. I appreciate you having me and saying all that. Thank you. You know those hot takes you post on social media? Well, now you can win up to $5,000 when you put those takes to the test on FanDuel. It's a new game called Over Under, and it's absolutely free to play on FanDuel. So here's how it works. FanDuel will set lines on things like total points or three-pointers made during every NBA on TNT broadcast. All you have to do is pick over or under for every prop. Your picks could win you a share of $5,000 during every contest. FanDuel is the exclusive home for Over Under, and it's available in all 50 states. So you can play from anywhere. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash Over Under and sign up now. If you've not done so already, please just do it. You're going to love it. Just create a new FanDuel account. If you don't already have one, it takes less than two minutes to sign up. Then you put your takes to the test during every NBA on TNT broadcast at FanDuel.com slash over under. They could be worth up to 5,000 bucks. Do it. Age and location restrictions apply. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. A big thank you to Tommy for joining me today on the episode. Um, can't help but want to root for this dude. Such a weird circumstance that, again, it just really makes you want to like scratch your head and be like, what the F is happening? Why? How? What the hell? But that being said, it is very invigorating to sort of shed those layers of things that maybe weren't working for you and things that weren't really making you that happy and now start to move in another direction, get back to the things that you want to do, be creative again, get back into why you got into the world of professional wrestling and go be a professional wrestler yet again, wherever he decides that he's going to end up. I'm sure that, like he said, many people knocking on that door, pun or no pun intended. 
interpret it how you want. Uh, but yeah, I cannot wait for him. So excited to have him on the show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know what I do here? This is what we do. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette, follow the volume sports, both on Instagram and Twitter. And also check out our YouTube page. Cause this interview in its entirety will be up on my YouTube. We pull all the clips. You can check those all out. Um, just search Renee Paquette on YouTube and get your eyes on this interview. This has been Oral Sessions. 